Hi, I'm James Brooks, and welcome to From the Factory Floor, a conversational podcast about all things startup and tech, brought to you by the folks at thestartupfactory.tech. And welcome back to From the Factory Floor. Uh, I'm your host, James, and actually joined again by Ian after his uh, hiatus of looking at fantasy football. How are you doing, Ian? I'm not bad, thank you. Yes, I've had uh, six months off uh, podcasting, not through any particular plan or uh, intention, but uh, you've just not invited me back. Oh, you needed a breather, and uh, <laughs> you, were, you were so busy writing up all the fantasy football stuff that it was uh, we didn't want to take up too much more of your time. Absolutely. We shall see. New season beckons. So Yeah, and uh, as a very quick plug, if anyone wants to join the TSF Fantasy Football League, feel free to. Um, it's also got you on today because I think one of the things that we've noticed most about our like, startups we've worked with at TSF is really how, once they've got the platform, um, how they then start to move into that sales pipeline and really start to progress things through. So... It really is a case of when do you think it's the best time for startups to actually start looking at their sales pipeline and start to generate interest? Yeah, it's an interesting, interesting one, sales. It's not uh, it's not everyone's cup of tea. And I think all founders need to look at themselves as the first salesperson, to be honest. So they often, you know, focus on the product um, rather than the customer problem. And, and if you kind of, for me, if you prioritise stakeholders in any startup uh, the most important stakeholder is the customer the second most important stakeholder is all stakeholders are then your team um, you know without customers you're not going to generate cash you're not going to be able to attract and grow a team so it's a little bit misplaced the total focus on product at the outset I think it's more about the customer problem the market and um, before sales, you should be thinking about marketing. Your question about when you start, I think you, you start in parallel because you you know your MVP is much about a process and testing and talking to potential customers, getting the brand out there, knowing about people, what they currently use uh, in terms of a competitive product. So I'd start with marketing and I'd start with that probably the week after you started your MVP POC build, to be honest. And I think the most important message though within this opening blurb is all founders have got to be salespeople. Founder-led sales in the early days of, of what it's all about. You know, people will buy from you as the founder because of your passion and the connection you make, but um, not everyone wants to be a salesperson. No, I mean, I... I uh, did sales early in my career and it wasn't for me. And uh, obviously it's not exactly turned out badly here, but I think I can echo your statement on the importance of focusing on the problem. I think I've said to a lot of our founders recently that as much as it's a tech platform, you're solving a problem and it's a user Absolutely. platform and the tech can do anything you want. So really focus in your sales, focus on the problem and why you've chosen to actually fix this. The fact mm. that tech is the solution to it is almost a byproduct of your selling the service and fixing the problem because every, anyone, every man his dog seems to have a tech platform these days. So it's why your particular solution fits their problem. Yeah. So I think we're going to do a marketing podcast next week, aren't we? So they're, they're kind of the wrong way around, but they're not. Uh, people think marketing is easy and it's not. It's, it's about intelligent marketing. 
Um, it's about content, you know, podcasts, blogs, thought pieces, webinars, attending events, uh, building partnerships, things like that. There's lots to go into marketing. But let's let's start with sales because I, I do think that's the engine. Um, getting out of the building, getting those meetings, getting in front of people to understand what their problem is. Um, and, and to be perfectly frank, if you don't think you can sell, get some training. Uh, I think both in terms of the sales process, uh, use of data, you know, what is your sales plan? What's your target market? How are you going to get out there? Who do you want these conversations with? Uh, and lead generation. I mean, it's one of the things we've spent a lot of time this year working with them, some of the startups in our portfolio to kind of get that conversation going about if you're sat in front of a customer, what's their persona, what's their need, you know, why would they buy from you? Um, and the other thing as well, most of the founders that um, that come to TSF are, are pretty nice people. So people have got this kind of um, this blind spot about selling. And, and selling to me is actually dead straightforward. It's all about building relationships and creating trust. It's not focusing on the transaction. Um, and every every founder has a story. So storytelling is, is and listening are, are key sales tools. It's not about hammering away and kind of making you know fairly aggressive numbers of, of phone calls and things like that. But if you don't get in front of people who could buy uh, your product once you are ready to go, um, then you're going to struggle. You are going to struggle. Now I know we um, when we started to do design sprints, we always looked at five people. And I know one of the things that you've always spoken to founders about when they started says, "What's their Fab Five? Looking yeah. at what's the, you know, like you said, it's about the same as the marketing. It's about being intelligent in what you're doing and not just throwing spaghetti at the wall to see what sticks. It's about really again going back to the problem, which is always where I've been focusing a lot at the moment. Is the problem who it's for? Who's the right person to speak to? Obviously, there's a bit of nuance here between sort of B two B and B two C as well. That I think B two C often you've got a much bigger expectation of marketing, and but again, you can be intelligent with how you approach it. So, yeah, if, if, if you look at um, you look at free up, uh, which you know has, has been a very patient build of the technology, the hardware, the software, they're building a SaaS platform, the data. What what Tom's been really good at is articulating the proposition and doing pilots and tests with different aspects of the market. So, you know, we've gone with regulators in the water sector uh, in terms of how useful would this be for, for compliance issues. We've gone with the, the, the utilities, the, the distribution network, um, and we've looked at indoor water and outdoor water. Uh, as applications of the product and different problems, different decision makers, different budgets. And then, of course, you've got the tier one supply network who are helping some of the utilities digitize their network, their kind of raft of digital um, Victorian assets that they now need to make digital. Um, and then there's consultancies. So I think it's it's about being thoughtful from your sales process at the outset. And, and I mentioned briefly storytelling. And one of the things we, we help coach our founders through is that storytelling of their journey, why this is a problem, why they're passionate about it, the experience they've had, the conversations, the kind of the case studies and stuff like that. So people need to let go of selling as not the experience you get when you go into a mobile phone shop and you're hounded to take a high tariff and this is the best device for you. B2B sales is very different to B2C, as you mentioned. 
Uh, and I think you need to kind of create yourself um, a, a bit of a package. And, and that's really what I've, I've got to talk about a little bit more, really, kind of f- five key takeaways on this podcast to give founders the uh, the foundation. And this is something we, we work really hard because understandably, and in, the, in fact, we do, you know, you fall in love with the idea, you fall in love with the tech, you go, wow, this is great. But, you know, who, who's going to pay for it? So you, you do need to be quite thoughtful uh, about your sales. And like I said, I've got five takeaways, really, just to unpack on uh, on this podcast. Well, I guess it'd be rude for me to say, what well, just what are those five? And then we can dig into each one of those a little bit. Okay, well, I'll carry on doing all the work. Well, that's, that's, that's fair, <laughs> fair comment. So um, the first thing I'd say is think about sales as a process. Um like I say, the old the old selling was all about getting getting the order, filling the opportunity, um, try to convince why you should buy from me, um, and then a very kind of direct approach. Whereas I think for a tech product or indeed a tech service startup, it's all about how we're going to make a difference. You know, what what's the the challenges, the problems that you've not been able to overcome that we may be able to help you. So there's a combination here of kind of uh, two approaches, value-led selling and solution selling, both established processes about the value of what you're offering, why you add more value, why you're different, and solution selling, well, you know, the, the, the keys in the title there. Um, one of the things which, again, founders need to think through more for me is that in your first six to 12 months, it's more about demand generation and lead generation. And, and kind of creating awareness, and we'll pick about pick up on some of that in in the marketing piece. So you know, making showing you're making a difference, showing you're creating value, and showing your personal business values and your knowledge. It's one thing that Tom at FreeUp has been exceptional uh, about in terms of his knowledge, and almost kind of making people say, "Look, I, I need to work with you. you. You can add to my thinking." So that building that relationship and rapport, but there is a sales process around making the difference, creating the demand, demonstrating value, and you can do that through pilots or testing programs, uh, but then really kind of making your your presence felt in terms of, yeah, you're someone I need to work with. Well, I think that's it comes down to people's authenticity at times. I know that's what yeah. we always look for, and you keep going back to Tom, I think it's a great example, is someone who has experienced that problem with his background, his scientific, you know, going through his PhDs to actually then create the device means that he does know what he's talking about and he's experienced the problem. I think uh, Reese Social Dog as well has got a very clear story going back to what he said before in terms of his experience mm. as a actor, how he took that through to what he does now with Social Plug. And that kind of really creates the value of, I know what the problem is. Here's the solution and why it's valuable to you. And I think they're I think, two of the really good stories that we've seen Especially recent, yeah, recent, recent social plug is is a is a good one because if I think about Reese, what he's good at as the founder is about building rapport and trust, uh, and and you know I've kind of just just thought about what does this process look like? So building rapport and trust, which I think Reese is exceptional at, I think that's really you probably need to spend about forty percent of your time on doing that. You know, trusting you because as a startup, you you, you know you you're new kids on the block. You know, I may be your first paying customer. So, you know, that phrase, why should I buy from you, is a bit of a killer question that people need to look at. 
I think the other thing which Reese does very well is identifying requirements. And I reckon that's about another, say, 30% of the sales process. So you're not even talking about pricing. You're not even talking about the features, the benefits of what you're doing. 70% of that time so far is all about building rapport and trust and speaking to the customer, sitting the customer side of the table, you know, understanding their challenges. I think then you can then launch into, right, we, I've got something here of interest and a value to you. Uh, and again, you need to make sure from a, a startup perspective that every customer opportunity isn't bespoke. Um, and equally, it's not wash, rinse, repeat, but you do need a repeatable, scalable sales model. So I, I kind of think that's about 20%. And, and the bit which then people fear uh, is closing and asking for the deal. And that's only 10% if, if I've got my maths right. Yep, the rest about- of it, yeah, the rest of it is about getting the relationship, getting the trust, creating the rapport, understanding the customer's problem, providing a solution of value. And then you do have to ask for the order. You do have to, have to ask, right, you know, is this something you're interested in? Uh, what are you prepared to pay for it? This is my pricing strategy and structure. And, and you do need to have, you know, that, that edge to you to actually ask for the deal. But in the core sales process, they're, they're the, four, the four steps for me. But only 10% is the kind of the bit where it's like, once more with feeling, I need to ask for this deal. It's amazing how little is actually about the figures at the end. A lot of the time, it might say it's the closing it, agreeing what the scope is, but actually having that relationship with people like when startups come to us because a lot of times they haven't looked at numbers or anything it is about building mm. that relationship with the person trusting that person are they the right person to do it and then obviously one of the things we have looked at um is do we think they'll be able to sell this and are they authentic enough to do it and i know that's a big part of our process of onboarding startups and then obviously eventually when they hopefully fledge and go on to bigger and better things you know look at people like mark hartley obviously just news sector so well like i say reese tom all the founders that you look at you can really mark hartley is an interesting one because um you know bankify is, is one of the uh success stories so far um from our portfolio and, and what i liked about mark and this takes me into my second point which is about building relationships mark was very much connected uh, understood, understood the sector, understood the sales process, but was very much a relationship-building person, a very compelling individual. And it's back to the phrase I used um, a couple of minutes ago about I want to work with this person because he can help my business. And if you look at the attributes of someone like Mark, and it is interesting, one of the things you, you said earlier about how we choose the projects to work with. Yes, the tech's interesting. Yes, the market opportunity is interesting, but can we work with this individual and, and do we think that individual can sell? Um, and what I thought Mark had in bucket loads was, was credibility. You know, he, he understood, understood the market space he wanted to operate in, understood the problem. He was reliable. He was kind of a very professional focused, you know, had real clarity of thought. He, he wasn't going to change his mind uh, six months into the build. And I think that reliability translates itself into building, developing, and, and sustaining customer relationships. And then um, intimacy, which is perhaps a strange word uh, that not many people would use in a sales podcast vocabulary. But by intimacy, intimacy I mean you know, a genuine person. Um, you know, with Mark, you could talk about anything. Um, and, you know, personally very engaging. And therefore, that comes back to trust. Um, so credibility, reliability, intimacy, authenticity, 
humility. You know, for me, this, the second stage for a founder in, in the sales strategy is all about building relationships and, and people buy from people. It, it's an you know an old hackneyed overused phrase, but it, but it's true. If if I trust you, if I respect you, you've got some credibility. I think I can rely on you, and you're going to share some interesting stuff with me. Then I'll consider buying from you. There is a balance there because obviously you're not expecting again to steal one of your phrases. You're not expected to go on holiday with these people. It's not that yeah. level of relationship but you should be able to walk into a meeting room or walk into a, somewhere to go and have a coffee talk about your product and have a genuine conversation and you know there's obviously some personal side to that and being open but you know at the end of the day you are always the last stage this is you are going to be closing something so just being aware yeah, that you are doing the important bit no it is you, you do need you need to ask for the order um but one of the things, you know, one of the words you used there was a conversation. Um, so, you know, we've used some fairly soft language here. Uh, you know, we haven't used qualification. We haven't used pitch. Um, because I, I just don't think the modern way of selling uh, is oriented around that. Yes, you need to qualify. They've got a budget. Yes, you need to qualify the time. I think, excuse me. <laughs> Should we start again? Because I've just burped on my cucumber sandwich. Um we need, you know, you do need to qualify, and 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 the, the, there is a hard element of sales. Don't get me wrong, but it's all about building that that relationship. And and you know, you use the word conversation, and it's a sales conversation, not a sales pitch. And that is an important different differentiator, I think, to the old way of selling. And, and hopefully, we'll start to put some founders listening to this podcast at ease that it's just be yourself, create that rapport, a personality, and engagement level and step into the conversation. Now, one of the things, the third point, is the critical conversation, as you said, because it's, I'm a nice guy, I've got an interesting product, but at the end of the day, if the customer can buy it from you for 100 grand rather than 250 grand, of course they will. So, you know, you do need to present the business case and the value and be clear on your pricing um, and be able to justify your pricing in terms of the, the value you're creating. But... I think the, the critical customer conversation comes comes as a framework. Uh, and this is something I've banged the drum on for a number of years. So for me, it's all about starting with engagement. Um, it, it is all about, you know, you, you've got that opportunity to actually meet face-to-face or you've got a Zoom call or, or you know, you've, you've bumped into somebody at an event. And I think, again, if the non the, the, the founders are not confident about selling, just think about this as, as a toolkit. So create engagement and listen. Um, so all you're doing is introducing yourself, identifying who you are, what the opportunity, and there's a whole language set about, you know, if I understand your problems correctly or what challenges have you got in the business that where you think I might be able to help? Lots of use of opening open questions as a style just to create that, that conversation and then listening and picking up and, and framing it back. So if I've heard you rightly, James, what you said to me, these are the three key challenges you've got and the current solutions aren't working very well and they're expensive. So you just start to evidence that you've listened in this in this critical conversation and frame it back in their language. And then you kind of have to take them on, on the journey. So the storytelling is really important in sales. And um, obviously at the outset, you might not have got much of a storyboard going in your startup. But you'll have some anecdotes, so kind of create this 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 
storyboard of what working with you may be like, what benefits and solutions your product could could answer. So visioning what the future could be as a relationship. And then you start again and you go around listening and framing. So you kind of gel. So if you think about it as a negotiation with a, with a small N, you end up actually quite adjacent to each other. And you've not discussed price or anything like that, but you've kind of created some engagement, you've created trust, and then you can ask for the commitment. So if I can provide you with this solution, and this is broadly where your challenges are, um, would you be interested? So you create some commitment. And, and my experience, and a lot of people will disagree with this, but my experience is unless the customer asks about price, just continue the conversation or get to a point where you can send them a proposal or an overview of how you can work together. The moment you start putting prices down, which you do need to, but it's a bit early in the conversation, you're into budgets, you're into cost, whereas you're still into value, you're still into evidencing value of yourself, the value, the potential of what it can be. Um, but that commitment, you do need to get to that commitment. And again, a lot of people uh, and a couple of folk in our portfolio aren't great at doing this. They're not kind of co- not confident enough, I don't think, in saying, okay, really good conversation. I think we've established a lot of common ground. Really grateful for your time. What I'd like to do now is send you a proposal. And, and as a founder, you need to respect your time and the opportunity. You need to be filling that funnel of opportunities. So at a point in time in that conversation, you do need to get commitment. Now, I think one of the things there as well is where if you are realizing you're not aligned with someone, also being able to understand that you're not, either you're not particularly going to be able to fix their issue because that's not what you offer. I think that's mm. almost what you're saying before around you don't want to say, I can do everything, which I know is something that we've had before with founders going, yeah, we can fix that, we can fix this, we can fix that. And then the tech solution becomes so much bigger, so much more complex. You're looking at bespoke, which is then a terrible way to try and support a business with a tech team going forward. But I think the most important thing is, it's like I said, I think through the whole process is just listening. If yeah. you can ask, if you can have your five points that you want to understand about someone, what's their problem? And then you can, like say, you can tie in your experience. I think Reese has been great at that in terms of mm. talking about him getting sent, you know, clothes that didn't match any of his target audience so there's no ROI then how he then some of his case studies around how he's helped people by finding the right influences but obviously you need to walk away though you see you do need to walk away so one of the things you you raise is a very good point that if you end up in a conversation and it actually isn't a great fit for your offering walk away and again one of the fears of founders have is that there's an opportunity here I can close it but it actually doesn't fit what your your technology does, and that the biggest example of that I think is where we have we've created platforms that are B two B market focused, and you end up having a B two C style conversation, and you can convince yourself in your mind you can actually make that solution work, but it doesn't. And I think just just picking up on the point you said at Reese, that that's a good step into my fourth point. Because um, I think one thing that Reese is very good at social blog is he, he sits the customer side of the table. Now, he's passionate, and I think he has learned uh, and, and kind of um, adjusted his, his sales approach because he had so much to offer, of so much genuine value. And the platform we built in social plug just enabled that to kind of deliver at, at scale. 
he was kind of a little bit overwhelmed. But I think what he does now very, very well is sit the customer side of the table. And, I, and I've kind of said to him, look, there's, there's a script here, features, benefits, impact, evidence. And again, you know, learning a script, there's nothing wrong in learning a script. You, you mentioned there, James, about, you know, what are the five questions you want to ask a, a prospect um, and, and have that so you can structure your conversation and just have a decision tree in your head. If it's yes, no, well, how you, how you use that. And when you're talking about the value, talk about value from your customer's perspective. Sit their side of the table. Imagine yourself, you've got their problems. Why would I buy from you? That's a really, really powerful question. You know, the features, the product service description, what you do, the benefits, this is what it'll do for you, why we deliver, why we're different, the impact, the ROI. Uh, and again, you need to make sure that early on you are doing some pilots and some testing with some early adopters that evidence that it actually delivers what it says it'll do and you can quantify that because once you've quantified the ROI you can then actually think of a, a quite smart pricing strategy uh, and the evidence getting case studies early on uh, I think every two words that Reese uses is case study uh, <laughs> which is great because it is it really validates that people have seen value uh, in what you've proposed and, and of course you've actually delivered so you know again just very very simple phrase sit your customer's side of the table during that sales process and sales conversation it's like i say i think it's why i've always enjoyed using Reese these examples i think he's done that really well in terms of being willing to do some small things and you know obviously some of the conversations around the pricing because they were such early adopters he was willing to obviously change that but by being able to prove the ROI mm. and combining that with the story and building that relationship actually means moving into that critical conversation of, well, I can, I've done this for other people. I've shown I understand your problem and I've experienced that problem. Here's how, here's what I think we can do for you. It should be a really hard point for the customer to actually just say no because you've already sold them because you've been on their side of the table and told them what they want to hear. Yeah, and I think you know that steps into my final point uh, around storytelling, which could be a po podcast on itself. It's one of my favourite pieces of, of helping our founders craft their sales proposition. Um, I mean, we all think we are kind of logical <clears throat> decision-making people, but we're not. We're all emotional decision-makers at the end of the day. And as you just said, if you, you've taken someone through in half an hour, 45 minutes, this structure around engagement, trust, the conversation, the value add, and, and kind of why I can help you. The storytelling then just becomes quite evocative and is part of this closing piece. So I think it's building in, build, you know, building and creating a storyboard around your case studies, but then just pulling out two or three things that you think make you different. And I think innovation is one of those aspects, is one element. You know, why we're innovative, why we're different, why we can offer you something that other people can't. And that's really our gig. That's what TSF is all about, creating innovation-led technology products and solutions that go, wow, I didn't know you could do that. And it's not necessarily about the deep tech. It's just about thinking about the user interface and the user journey. So I think innovation has to be part of your story. I think your own experience and knowledge. And if you think through every single one of the founders from um, – Ply time where, you know, Ian, Ian and Lisa McCartney of, of nearly a decade um, <clears throat> building games, uh, learn educational games. And we've just created a platform that 
again, digitizes that, but they know about um, home tutoring and use of games to help children learn. So your own expertise and your background, I think, is is really important. Um, and then actually just, again, kind of opening up a little bit in terms of what your founder journey has been. Because people want to hear about success and the challenges you've overcome and how determined you've been. Because like I say, at this stage, um, you're asking some very early adopters to get the checkbook out um, and, and kind of, you know, give you some money when you, you haven't really got a track record. So showing some real conviction and passion about what you've built is is really important. That's, and that's the closing bit. You know, you then, then I think once you've gone through those five stages, <clears throat> you've told the story. If you haven't convinced them at that stage, then, you know, you need to think through, right, what's, what, what are the next steps? And I'm not an advocate of trying to close a sale on the first meeting. I, I just, I think that's presumptuous and it's pushy. It's just making sure you create a call to action uh, or there is a follow-up um, to actually send a, a document or a note summarizing the meeting when we can take our discussions further. So sales isn't about hard-nosed closing. It's about rapport, relationship, trust, credibility, evidence in value and storytelling is really important and as, as a tool in your armory no and i think ian and lisa is a great example for that as well um and when i first spoke to ian and i remember from obviously more from being a child than having one at this stage but <laughs> um being convinced by a certain other person on the podcast to do my maths homework before i could go to football practice um mm. that sort of thing and i think the story of how they got their kids to engage with the games to do their homework and then the education piece was almost as convincing as what they'd done previously because it showed they understood it and the story was quite compelling. I can imagine a lot that people can relate to whether that's mm. either being convinced through the homework or doing the convincing. Yeah. I think the other thing you mentioned there as well around so it's always the follow-up and what's next because one of the things we have noticed, especially with some of our startups going to bigger clients, is the person they can initially speak to isn't going to be the decision maker. Mm. So often they've had to have that conversation to, to then get the call to action to get the meeting with the next person. But having putting the effort into that person, even if they're not decision maker, and having that internal champion to really try and help you through the process means that it's not just a case of, oh, you're not a decision maker, who is? kind of have their number and you ignore them if you take them on the journey with you it can really help especially if you're looking at bigger clients no that, that's that's really good advice that i think you know if you've opened the door to an opportunity you've had that initial conversation you know this commit and the call to action phrase we've used you know you need to work through what they what they are and be ready to to go with that um and if you've got a good rapport at the end of the first or the second meeting you know you then need to say well look at the follow-up meeting, if you're not the decision maker, can we actually meet with that person or the budget holder who is the economic buyer? So again, I think it's, it's you know, you've had a nice afternoon, you've had a good chat, you've had a nice cup of coffee. There's got to be a result from that meeting. And it's just your judgment as to how quickly, because it, it's you don't want to start pressing people. You All of a sudden, you don't want to come out of character. You want to just be yourself uh, and you want to say, right, how do we take this forward? And, and just have that nice progressive conversation. So, basically, if they do it on the apprentice, don't do it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think that's good advice. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it, it's just old-fashioned selling, and 
it's not for me. So let me let me just kind of um, summarize half a dozen points really. I think there are those five steps really: the, the core sales process, building relationships, the critical conversation structure, sit the customer side of the table, the features, benefits, impact, evidence, see stuff from their point of view, and then storytelling. Um, so they're the, for me a good framework for a, a founder who hasn't had a pre, any previous sales experience to give themselves structure. There's nothing wrong with having a script in your head uh, or even on your notebook as you're going into this meeting as prompts to give you the confidence because a well-structured sales conversation really has adds, should add value to a prospect as well. It's not all about, yes, I'm moving down the sales funnel. They've actually got something from it. Um, I think the thing I'd say to people listening to this is come back next week and we'll do the marketing podcast because everything starts with marketing around the branding, the positioning, the pricing strategy, the content, all that sort of stuff. And I think we'll do that with Nairi, who's led the charge brilliantly uh, for us and and our startup. So it's it's not fluffy marketing. It's stuff that gets you in the market, the market you want to be in with the the right positioning, but it does start with marketing. Um, And then have a customer mindset, you know, not your own product mindset. We all fall in love with the tech we're building, but I think we've learned over the years actually is to think about it from a, a customer side, a customer perspective and a customer mindset. Um, I'll repeat what I said at the outset. Every founder needs to be able to get their passion, expertise and character into sales mode. You are selling yourself at the end of the day. Why would I buy from you? And I think that that's really fundamental. I think you're on about demand generation and lead generation in the early days. Uh, yeah, revenue and cash is obviously critical uh, to the survival of a startup, but in the early days, it's actually just making some noise and getting noticed in the market. And, and lead generation is one of the key things we'll, we'll talk about from marketing. Never lead with price. Ne- you know, always lead with value. Why you're different, the innovation piece, your expertise, your knowledge. Because ultimately, in those early early couple of meetings, you're looking to create relationships, not transactions. You know, money's the applause. If, if this is the right offering at the right price, people will buy it. Um, yes, you need a sales process and you need a sales team to ultimately grow the business. But how you sell is really important about the value set you as a, a business have. Um, and then storytelling and ultimately data and case studies are, are key enablers. Once you've kind of got three or four really good rock and roll case studies and think about where you want them, you know, reference back to the piece we talked around Tom the different segments in your market and the different personas. Think about focusing on those personas, getting in front of them and getting case studies for them from those personas and, and equally go for the high-hanging fruit. When we started to think about where the free-up technology could be applied, we really we went right for the top. We, we went for the regulators in the water industry because if we got their badge of credibility it would be, you know, be a huge statement of, of the technology works, the product works, it, it does well. So don't faff around with small friends and family referrals. Really aim for high-hanging fruit and meaningful potential first users and adopters. Um, and then you've just got to be consistent. You've got to be rabidly consistent about your sales activity. I think a founder should be thinking about sales and marketing 50% of their time, 50% on the team, 50% on the product. So yeah, there's a lot of work goes in on that. But seriously, 50% of your time 
on sales and marketing in those early days. Where's my market? Who am I selling to? How do I position it? Do some market research. Think about your pricing. There's lots of stuff there. But at the end of the day, if you don't sell your piece of Wizzo tech, you ain't got a business. No, and I think you sort of said just conscious of the time because we've uh, taken up quite a lot because there's a lot to talk about with sales. Having, you know, make things easy where you can. Use use tools like CRMs. We use HubSpot. Other CRMs are available to track your progress, give you those reminders to follow up. Just because, like you say, there's so much going on in a founder's head and in the founder's activity and what they need to do. Do what you can to try and make it as fundamentally easy as possible. So you can focus on what the main thing is. It's like you say, you're not unless you are trying to start a charity, you actually need to start generating revenue. Yeah, and we haven't talked anything about targets, but I think those initial targets for sales are, you know, I've had five meaningful conversations this week. I'm going to have eight meaningful conversations next week. I'm going to have 12, 15 the following week. It, it has to be rigor um, until you get to a point where you can afford to bring somebody in who can do that heavy lifting for you. So. Yeah, I'll shut up now. Conscious of the time. Um, um, I can never say to shut up because I think there's a lot of value to people there. But um, I mean, I would, I usually, we usually end with what's your main takeaway, but I think we've just gone up for about five. So I think we're uh, we've already oversubscribed. Yeah, the main, the main thing is don't is don't be frightened of sales, but you have to and, and you have to do it. So happy to talk to anyone who wants to ping me or you an email. We can we can unpack the five stages that we've talked around on this and um i'll perhaps put them in a blog and, and put them up on the website as well yep and for obviously you've already given the spoilers for next week with the uh, podcast with nairi on marketing which really sort of hand holds this one so i think there'll be a lot of value in that it's just as much as the next one so thank you very much for your time ian and, i enjoyed that good to chat and thank you everyone for listening and we yeah. shall catch you on the next one cheers Ta-da. I think that just about wraps things up here. If you have any thoughts or questions on anything we've said today, get in touch, whether that be through our Twitter, at RealTSF, or email at hello at startupfactory.tech, or feel free to drop in for a coffee and a chat. As ever, thanks for listening.